Welcome and thanks for joining us here at the Bethel Church Podcast. For more information about Bethel and who we are, you can visit us online at BethelChurch.info. We hope you are encouraged and that you find hope in today's message. Yeah, I love, uh, I love strong biblical teaching that doesn't back down from the truth of God's word. Anybody else? How many of you love strong biblical teaching that isn't afraid, though, to, to get down in the dirt and bridge the gap between where we ought to be and where we actually are? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Hey, guy. All right. It's not just enough, though, to learn a principle or to know the truth. The Bible teaches us that not to just be a hearer of the word, but to be a what? A doer of, of the word. But I think many times the doing part is simply because we just don't know how. Right? I know that this is the helmet of salvation and this is the breastplate of righteousness. That underneath all of this is a belt of truth that holds it all together. And then there's the feet that are shod with, with the gospel of peace. There's the sword of the spirit. There's the, the shield of faith. And that I'm supposed to put this stuff on every single day so that I can, when all else fails, I can stand. But the truth is really this is, how do I put on the breastplate of righteousness? Like, do I get a t-shirt and get a Sharpie and write breastplate of righteousness and put it on every single morning? Jared's actually shaking his head. He said, yes, that is actually how you do it. And I have scripture to prove it, okay? No, what does it even look like to wear the righteousness that Christ gave to us, not my own righteousness that's really nothing more than filthy rags? How many of you went home and, and tried to find out what filthy rags meant? One, two, three, four, five. How many of you were surprised? Anybody? Okay. Go home and, and look it up. I know I need these to fight, but how do I wear them? I'm going to go ahead and warn you. If you have come today for a revelation from the Lord and a bang, bang, boom, boom word, that you're gonna run to the altar and everything's gonna change for you. It's, I'm sorry, today's not the day. My fault, my bad. I'm under-delivering today, okay? But instead today, what I, I wanna do is this. I want us to all pretend as much as we can that we're in our living rooms. And maybe there yet, you're getting there? Can you go there with me real quick? Amen. All right, now keep your shirt on and your pants on. No underwear or anything like that allowed in this living room. We're not gonna take it that far. All right, and don't get up and go into to BC Cafe and get a snack and come back. And the TV can't be on in this living room, all right? So what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at what it means to every single day fight this fight. There will be major battles that we must face in this life. But this morning I wanna talk to you about how to fight each and every day. Yes, there are huge battles, massive battles that we will fight, but the real fights happen as soon as we wake up in that first 30 to 45 minutes of our day. Because doesn't God's word say that if we'll give him the first, he'll bless the rest? This morning, we're gonna bring recovery alive to Sunday morning. 
And I didn't even tell our Recovery Live director that I was doing this. I'm just surprising him. And we're going to teach something that everyone that is in recovery commits to doing and fighting their fight. Because you have to work your recovery. Salvation is free. Righteousness is given to us. But recovery takes some work on our behalf. So let me start by saying this. In this message, there is an assumption that you have already made up your mind to set aside a time for the Lord every day. Now that might have been a terrible assumption. <laughs> I might should have preached on the significance of having a time set aside with the Lord, but I really honestly don't believe that if you don't spend time with the Lord, it's not because you don't want to. I believe that it's probably because you don't know how to. And it's kind of combined with, I don't know really what I'm going to do when I sit down with the Lord and I could clean the bathroom and that would be more beneficial. So what we're going to do is as I preach today, well, I'm not going to preach, I'm going to teach. As I teach today, we're going to actually take the time to model what we call in Recovery Alive, the daily disciplines. Amen. Thank you. The first thing we do Every single day in these daily disciplines is this. We start off with, oh, people know, wow. We start off with gratitude. Now in your, in your seat, you're gonna see these little cards with the daily disciplines. Now you, I'm, I'm actually asking you right now to engage with me in this. Don't just listen. So you can get a pen or a piece of paper. You can go to the notes section in your phone, but you're gonna actually, I'm gonna ask you to write stuff today and do things. So I am sorry if you came to listen to a really good message and just leave and go out and live the same. Today, I am planning on asking you to engage in what I'm actually saying. The first step is gratitude. Philippians 4, 6 tells us to not be anxious about anything, but in lieu of that, instead of being anxious in everything by prayer and supplication with gratitude, let your requests be made known to God. Now, gratitude is God's prescription for anxiety. Now, I am not dogging prescriptions, but I'm telling you that God prescribes thanksgiving for the issue of anxiety. And I could go into a long in-depth preaching and teaching on just thanksgiving and gratitude and why it shifts the conditions of our hearts and why it changes our, our perception and our perspective. But right now, we're just gonna take it at God's word. So in Recovery Live, this is what we teach. To write down something you are thankful for and why. Go ahead and do it. Oh, but you know what I like to do when I'm in my living room? Um, where's Pastor Blake? Is he in here this right now? Can you get him really fast? Are you coming up here? Pastor Gage is? Oh, wow. Guys, we are, if you're watching online right now, today is a very um, abnormal day. We're doing things a little bit differently. Um, so this, wait, stop writing real quick. This is what I normally, this is what Caitlin and I would normally do. We go up to Alexa and we say, Alexa, play that song about stuff in my life about to completely 
go to Kerplui and I need it to break. And then Alexa says, sorry, I can't find this song. Things are about to go to Kerplui. <laughs> or she starts playing some emo punk band from the 1990s, okay? It's going to Kerplui and it's going to break. Okay. <clears throat> and then I'm like, okay, uh, gosh, what's the name of that song? I never can remember the song. Alexa, play the, the break song. And then a song comes on about breakdown. Okay. And then it's finally like, oh, I'm just going to Google the lyrics. And then I find the name of the song is, oh, thank you. Play the song, Something Has to Break. Okay, here we go. Now, I know everybody comes from different like backgrounds in church. And you probably, have, some of people have even been taught that playing music is emotional. That's not God's word though. Saul would call David in the room to play his harp to drive the evil spirits away. So there's something very spiritual about playing worship music in your home during your time with the Lord. So now that I've got elect, I mean, I've got Alex playing, um, I want you to take some time right now. Write down something you're grateful for and why you're grateful for. Go ahead and do it right now, yeah. It's gonna be real awkward if you just stare at me the whole time. We're gonna do this a lot today. Got you for like 30 minutes. Now, I'll tell you like I, I tell my kids because we do this at my house. Um, if you're writing down something like, I'm thankful for my dog. That's not wrong, but why are you thankful for your dog? And, and don't write because, you know, he loves me. <laughs> Try, go, go a little deeper with it. What is it exactly about your dog that you are very thankful for? I ain't lying, I'm thankful for my dog because in the middle of the night, he will bark at anything that moves outside my house. It makes me feel safe. All right, second part of gratitude is this. Now, this is where you're really gonna have to get involved. Write down someone you are thankful for and why. And then, if it's appropriate, go ahead and text them right now why you were thankful for them. And, or, if they're in this room, get out of your seat and go tell them right now. In the first service, we had people getting up and going all over the place. So go ahead, I'm gonna give you a few minutes to do it.
a beautiful sight to see all these people getting up and just. Now, take the second step and if you need to send somebody a message, go ahead and do it right now. You can do it right now. If you're like me, you don't mind taking the, unfortunately, this is something the Lord's really changing in my heart this week. Um, if you're like me, you don't mind taking the time to complain. Right? So don't take the time to be thankful. Don't, don't, don't jip the time to be thankful and show gratitude to people. What, what would happen if we all started doing this? You know what would happen? It wouldn't start a cycle. It would start a hurricane of affirmation and encouragement that could literally shift marriages, shift parent and child, shift friendships. How many of you would just be honest and say, I really do need more encouragement and affirmation in my life? Raise, raise your hand around and say, that's me. Yeah, absolutely. All right, the second part of these daily disciplines. Now remember, we're talking about how do I wake up every day and have a time with the Lord where I put on the armor and I'm ready to fight. Because I, I, know, I know what happens. I'm a human being. I'll talk about having a time with the Lord and, and everybody in here will be like, hey man, brother, that's good. Yeah, you're right. And then we walk around, we don't have a time with the Lord. Am I right? Sure. Now let me say this real quick. If you're saying, I'm too busy to have time with the Lord, that is God letting you know you're too busy. I'm serious. Listen, if you're saying, Pastor Daniel, you don't understand this season of my life is really crazy. This season of your life is going to drive you crazy if you don't make time for the Lord. This is what my, our time with the Lord can look like. I start off with my little journal, a pen and piece of paper. I write down something I'm thankful for and why. I write down someone I'm thankful for and why. And then I let them know. Second one is this. God's Word. I spend time in God's Word. This is how you put on the belt of truth that holds on all the other stuff, all the other armor. So this morning, I'm gonna model this for you and I'm, gonna, I'm choosing the verse, but you can choose whatever passage you study tomorrow morning because I know everyone's gonna wake up and do this first thing in the morning, right? Great, yeah. I'm gonna go to this passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. And it reads like this, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. So before you open your Bible study software or before you go to a commentary or blueletterbible.com or before you type in 2 Corinthians 7.10, John Piper in Google or Jimmy Swaggart, whoever you listen to or Stephen, whatever. <clears throat> You're gonna look at God's words yourself 
And you're gonna ask the Spirit of the Lord to do what He promises to do, and that's to be the Spirit of revelation. Amen. To shine a flashlight on God's Word. So right now, what I want you to do is this. If you've got your Bible, start circling or making little notes about things that you see about this verse. And if you don't have your Bible, but you have something to write on, just write down some observations and then share them maybe with the person next to you and make sure they're doing what we're asking you to do. Go, do it now. Go ahead, right now. Remember, we're in our living room. Sorry, no coffee. Unless you brought it in. Go ahead, do it right now. Yeah, it's okay. Who says this can't be what church looks like? Second Corinthians 17. What do you see? What does it mean? And how will it change my life today? Those are some questions that you could ask yourself when you're studying this. But start off with what do I see? Then move to what does it mean? Then move to what changes because of this? All right, so as I look at this, without like looking at a commentary or anything like this, I'm reading it. Y'all read with me. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So right out of the gate, I see this like verses, right? Worldly grief versus Maybe I, maybe I didn't say that right. Verses, not as in Bible verses, but compared to. I see godly grief compared to what? So there's a difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. How many of you see that? So as I start thinking about godly sorrow and what I already know about the Bible, I'm thinking, okay, well, godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow is the difference between I'm sorry I got caught versus I'm sorry that I have wounded God, myself, and others. I'm also seeing that it's the difference between sorrow that leads to change versus sorrow that leads to condemnation and shame. If the enemy can't keep you from regretting your sin, he'll keep you from enjoying your forgiveness. That's the difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. We, this is a revelation that I, I've had this week personally. We spend a lot of time and effort trying to not feel sad, trying to not feel grief, chasing that euphoric, happy feeling. Can I let you guys know in on something? Pain can be a good thing. 
We are so conditioned to not like pain. But let me ask you, how many nurses and medical people do I have in the room right now? The, everyone here will let you know. They'll probably say, hold up, as a medical professional, pain is a really good thing. Because sometimes it can be the only thing that alarms us to disease and brokenness. If my leg is broken, I'm probably not gonna learn about it because it comes out the side of my calf after walking on it for a month. I'm probably gonna be alarmed because what? I'm going to have pain and that pain is what's going to let me know I need to sit my butt down and get it checked out. Same thing spiritually. If we're feeling pain and we're feeling sorrow, we might not need to ask God to take it away. We might need to ask Him to show us why am I feeling this way? It's the difference between godly sorrow and okay I'm still looking at we're still in God's word how many of you with me right now I'm just doodling and just writing some stuff out thinking out loud right now but godly grief it produces something what does it produce huh hmm. that's a good time to draw an arrow or make a little doodling it produces repentance what kind of repentance though Without what? Ooh. Let me ask you a quick question. Anybody in here have some regrets? Just be honest. You have some regrets. Okay. Can, can, I, can I let... I, this is God's word. I, I'm not playing you because I have regrets too. That would mean then that you have yet to experience godly sorrow. in that area of your life. It would mean that some of us don't want our hearts to be broken over what breaks the heart of God. On the other side, it would mean that some of us have taken it too far. Our hearts were broken to begin with over what breaks the heart of God, but then Rather than moving to repentance, we, the enemy came in with a lie and said, you're a piece of crap. You're not worth anything. You're not even worth the breath that you suck into your lungs. I mean, you've heard these lies before. You've messed up too much stuff. It's too far gone. It can't change. That's not godly sorrow. That's worldly sorrow. So godly grief produces repentance. Repent, repentance, that immediately I would circle that word and I would say, what is repentance? How many of you know that repentance is just saying I'm sorry and then going and living the same way? Joe Flynn is like, I will take you out of that pulpit if you don't change that real fast. No, that's not repentance. The Bible teaches us when you break it down that repentance is doing a turnaround, a 180. And if you dig even further 
into like word studies, you'll actually see the word repentance translates into the tearing down of. So the tearing down of every stronghold and structure that puts you in that position to live in sin to begin with. And do you know what else is part of repentance that we don't talk about a lot? Restitution. Well, that's not, that's not, I don't have to pay for my salvation. No, you're not paying for your salvation. It's just the condition of a changed heart that wants to look at others that they've hurt and not just say, I'm sorry, but also say, how can I make it better for you? Isn't that how Jesus identified that Zacchaeus had had a heart change because he went and he what? He made restitution. Restitution forces us to ask ourselves the question, how has my sin hurt God? Yeah, he has a heart. How has my sin hurt others? And how has my sin hurt myself? And what do I, what can I do to make it better? So check this out. Look, look, look. I'm getting a couple of Alexas up here right now. Yay. For godly grief produces what? Have y'all really fallen asleep on the couch that fast? Get a cup of coffee. Good grief. Y'all are worse than the disciples. Can you not tarry with me? Yay, Lord. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Now, salvation is by God's grace. But it, this leads to a salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. Wow. So, we spent some time in gratitude. We just spent some time in God's Word. The next area is this. We spend some time in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says this, that we pray without... Now that doesn't mean that like, I go to talk to Greg Walker, but he's watching online. Greg Walker is a long-standing partner of the church. And I'm like, hey Greg, how are you? God, I thank you so much for everything you've done for me today. Doing. No, I can stop praying long enough to have a conversation with somebody. It just means that our we have a prayer life, not just a prayer time. But this is a time of prayer. And while you're going through this whole thing, I would say prayer should really be saturating every single thing that we do. But now that I've read God's Word, I'm going to pray about what I have read and ask the spirit of revelation to shine light on that. Will you stand with me for a moment? And we're going to pray. My um, wife is going to come up here and she's going to lead us in just a time of, of prayer over what we just read. Can you pray with us right now?
One of the things that Nelson Radford, our director of prayer, talks a lot about is um, praying God's word. So if you don't know what to pray, you can just pray God's word over and over and over. Now, part of prayer is taking time to not just talk to the Lord, but to sit in silence and listen. And here, now I know that takes faith to believe that God will speak to us. He, he's speaking to us through God's word. But the Holy Spirit will bring things to our remembrance. The, but the fourth thing that we teach in these daily disciplines is this. Now remember, it's not that you like write down four things and you start checking the boxes. I'm doing this way, it, this way for, for teaching purposes. It's probably really, once you move past gratitude and you're in God's word and prayer and the last thing, that it's all kind of like blurred together. The last thing we do is this, and you can have a seat, is self-evaluation. In other words, I take God's word and I hold it up as a mirror to my life not as a window for me to look at everybody else. We pray the prayer that David prays in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Now, does God need permission to search us and know us? Well, only the worship team knows. Does God need permission to search us and know us? Okay, I want to just share something with everybody here, including myself. We are not hiding anything from God. And it is only in pride that we can live our lives in a way that doesn't line up with the truth of God's word and not ever address it with him. Search my heart, oh God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And don't leave me hanging. Lead me in the way everlasting too. Like God, don't just show me what I'm doing wrong, can you point me in the right direction? Don't just take out the bad stuff, replace it with the truth of your word. So we ask the Lord to show, show us. Now this is a, this takes a little bit of courage, I'll be honest with you, to say to the Lord, Lord, show me how you see me. take scripture and we use it as a mirror I want you right now on your pen or your phone whatever you're doing this these daily disciplines with to go ahead and pray this prayer out loud or in your heart and then I want you to write down what the Lord is showing you maybe he's showing you that you've never ever had godly sorrow for your sin and that might be why we've yet to experience repentance in certain areas of our lives. Like our hearts might have never broken over what breaks the heart of God. Go ahead, do it right now.
I'll just quit talking. I'll let you self-evaluate. It's not Daniel evaluate. If you enjoyed today's message, we want to encourage you to join our Facebook online community. Search for Bethel Church Online for more great content from our pastors and leaders here at Bethel. Join us next week for another inspiring message.